Hey everybody, today's guest we have R.B. Barrasso from Green Roads CBD. His history with hemp goes from pain pill addiction to a multi-million dollar corporation. Want to know how he did it? Stay tuned. The good don't grow. We help you understand the benefits. CBD and cannabis, yeah. The good don't grow. We remove the fear of the unknown. By giving you all the facts. The good don't grow. We bring the unbiased content from opposing views to give you nothing but the facts. I welcome you to the show. The good don't grow. Hey everybody, welcome back. Thank you for listening to Good Dudes Grow. I'm extremely excited to have Mr. Arby Barrasso from Green Roads on our show today. One of the pioneers in the hemp industry. And one of the real reasons, Arby, I wanted you on my show is your whole story and background how you got involved in it. Because it, it, it kind of touches me, especially on, on a day like today, because my daughter was kind of addicted to opiates. And I'm I started researching all of the uh, the benefits of the hemp and everything else that could actually help her. That was before everything became legal here on the East Coast in Florida. So it was very hard to find a viable source for her. And unfortunately, she ended up passing away today on her birthday two years ago. So your story kind of touched with me on how you kind of went through that and successfully overcame that and built a a entrepreneurial and business doing through that whole story. So how about we just start by you telling us how you started using CBD and why and how that all got started. Man, first Gary, I appreciate for you having me and and especially on such a such a day as today, you know, for yourself and your family. I mean, that's uh that's some of the hurdles um that this industry's kind of brought on and 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 a lot of people why it's their why. You know, it's it typically touches a family member or somebody that you may know that's a loved one that, you know, kind of went toward either, you know, the plant, cannabis, CBD and stuff. So thank you for having me on, on a daylight today for, for yourself. So I appreciate that. And obviously our condolences, you know, to thank you and your family. Um, for myself, it was, it was definitely a, a very challenging time. As you know, Florida was, was going through a lot of stuff, you know, 08, 9, 10 and stuff. And, um, you know, I've, I've had three hip replacements, you know, I'm 50 years old. I had my first one at 93. Uh, second one in 97, third one in 2001. And um, really, you know, there wasn't a lot of research out there. You know, whatever the doctor gives you, you kind of take. And it's, you know, that kind of mentality. And my my family's Spanish Cuban. So it's kind of, you know, whatever the doctor says, it kind of goes. Um, and uh, obviously, as times evolved, we, we kind of know that opiates and, and other synthetics or prescription drugs are extremely addicting. And uh, it kind of led me during, you know, to that path. You know, I started in real estate you know, kind of entrepreneur my whole life since I was 16, 17 years old, uh, started our real estate business and literally right after, you know, I fractured, dislocated my hip, um, really didn't have much to do. I, I've always been athletic, always been extremely competitive. Um, and uh, that kind of really put me in and asked myself, you know, what am I doing here in a way? Because I couldn't tie my shoes, couldn't put on my pants, lost about 70% mobility of my hip. Uh, so I was pretty stationary. Um, you know, for, for many years, for about three to four years where I couldn't really do much. Um, and, uh, you know, got into the real estate business and, uh, in 97, they didn't give me my full hip replacements when I, in, in 93 and 97, I went to a doctor and he's like, listen, your femur's dead. So, um, we're going to have to give you a full hip replacement. Now I had extensive calcium buildup, uh, vascular necrosis, arthritis to the hip, all kinds of really bad stuff. So I kind of went in there and, and started, you know, they went in, gave me a full hip replacement. Dr. Mark Sinrich, amazing orthopedic here in the state of Florida that really put me back together um, and gave me a second opportunity to life because now I'm able to tie my shoes and put on my pants and stuff. But 
it was kind of different. Um, obviously I, I was building the business. I was on, on Percocets here and there. Wasn't anything that was, you know, I've never really been addicted to anything. Um, it, I was going on my day to day, building a business, took that business all the way to 2008 when the real estate market crashed. We felt we built a pretty good, successful real estate and mortgage business and title. Um, and, uh, but when the market crashed, you know, I was really looking for something else in the, in the space or, or something in the cannabis space or Colorado had just gone medical and, and, and stuff. So I had good friends over there, decided to head out there and, and kind of vest whatever money we had, uh, had kind of made during that time or whatever we had lost, but enough to kind of go and build a business. So we opened up a hydroponic store. Um, we ended up uh, opening up a grow over a period of time. We bought our dispensary from Canamart called it bud seller. And, uh, but I was traveling back and forth. So I never made the full move over there cause I had family here. Uh, but I'd fly out there a lot. But in, uh, in 2009, I, I got hurt again, nothing too, too crazy. Uh, went to a pain management and, uh, that was pretty the, the, the beginning of the start of where I am today, really. So I don't look at that as, as that took me, it did take me down a really bad path, but it really put me where my mentality and, and where the vision of this amazing plant is today. Um, got addicted pretty bad, almost managing a pain management, which, you know, that became really bad because you, you know, it's like, uh, you know, somebody who has diabetes owning a candy store, right. Uh, kind of. And, uh, you know, I was able to kind of get whatever I wanted. Um, didn't really understand that process, you know, a lot. Uh, the addiction kind of blinds you to, um, and you're a slave to the pills. You know, it's just automatic. You know, it's, it's nothing that you choose or do you want, Hey, I want to go get addicted to this. It's like, it grabs you. And when it grabs you, it doesn't let you go. Got arrested 2000, pretty much towards the end of 2010, um, had all my medications in one bottle, uh, Pat Bondi, uh, really started cracking down on, on, on considered pain management state of an emergency and stuff. So, you know, I got in trouble and, uh, it didn't, it didn't stop me there though. You know, it's just, it was, it was just like, okay, I got in trouble. You know, I got hip surgeries. I got these doctors. I got everybody. I'm going to be fine with this. But that led me into probation and uh, kind of finagled my way to get back to Colorado. Said I had a business, you know, over there and, and we did. So I'd started going over there, obviously consistently every three weeks, we would trim some buds. You know, my partner up there kind of saw me really, you know, going down a hill pretty, pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, he would hide my medications at time. And when you're trimming, you know, it's not, you know, the comfort of having a tumbler nowadays, right. you know, everything, you know, so you're there for 16 hours kind of cutting up these buds and, and stuff. And we had a MIPS and OPC license and uh, we just continued. He, he continued to kind of see me going down this path. And uh, one of these times he actually hid my medication. Didn't know, you know, we're getting up at five o'clock in the morning, going to have to go pick people up. We're in Denver. We got to drive to Boulder. And, uh, he gets there and he hands me up, you know, almost like a, like a Chiba chew, which I, which I love. Um, and, uh, similar to that, I, he's like, listen, take this. You'll be fine. Six, seven hours. You won't get edgy or anything. And he, he was right. So I'm sitting in a chair, trimming, hand trimming, changing gloves, going through everything. My mind typically over two, three hours, I'm like, I want to go get my meds, you know, go eat some, you know, eat some pills. And it, it didn't happen. So that led to another three hours. And then he'd go, here's another one. And I was like over a 16 hour period, I'd only eat like two of them, but I wouldn't need the medication. I, I wouldn't need those pills. But when I'd get back to our apartment, it was instant. You know, I'd find them supposedly, he'd put them out somewhere where I could grab them and I'd grab them. And the next day it was almost like automatic. It would just consistently happen over a three, four day period. But my torment was having to come back to Florida because now you got to see your probation officer. You can't test positive. So I'd always leave right after doing my, you know, doing that test. And I would have three weeks to kind of clean my whole system out. 
And uh, that was really probably one of the toughest tasks that I've had to go through because I knew I had something that could help me get off these medications, but I couldn't do it. Um, and uh, that that led me to where I wanted to know more. I wanted to educate myself more. And I started really looking online, kind of figuring things out. There was really nothing out there. There's probably about four companies out there. You had MGNA, uh, you know, Cannavest, RSHO, all this other stuff. But you don't trust it because you're terrified of having to violate your probation. Right, right. I understand exactly, kind of exactly the same thing. When my daughter, when I started looking in for my daughter and everything else, I started reading everything I could on it, and I started noticing, hey, this can actually translate to guys in the fire department because it was a very bad year. My daughter died three months later. My father died, and I, when I went back home to Canada. And I talked to my mom. She, I, I said, well, what, what happened? What went on? She says, well, he just stopped breathing in, in the middle of the night. I was like, okay, so he must have just had a heart attack or something. You know, so he w went comfortably. Then she told me, he goes, well, when they took the body and I was doing cleaning out his room, I found all these scripts. He was, pr he was a printer. So he was able to print his own scripts with his doctor's signature on it. And that I realized then, well, he was going through the same thing my daughter was going to. And he probably overdosed in the middle of his night. So it, it, was, it was terrible. Two other firefighters committed suicide and I'm like, okay, something's got to change. I'm like, there's, there's something that we need to do. What I'm learning can help. Let's figure out more on how to do it. And that's kind of like the same time as you, you, you wrote that bill, the bill 1020 that started to come out. So it was a little bit easier for guys like me who had no, no idea about the cannabis industry, not didn't know where to go, who to talk to, how to connect anything. So it was a little bit easier to start talking to people through that. And, and I understand what you're saying. Like the more you started learning, the more you started saying, hey, this, this is plant is more than just a plant. Oh, it, it's crazy because we've been pretty much to a lot of scientific facilities, including Mount Sinai, Dr. Hurd in, in New York, you know, amazing, amazing research, NIH, you know, they've, they've really done a lot. And there's now you could kind of grab that information and really read it and dissect it. I mean, it's not perfect, but there's a lot of information you could get from there. And when we went um, and, and met with Dr. Hurd a, a couple of times, they were doing, they were, she was doing serious research. And what they were seeing is in cannabinoids or CBD uh, specifically, the, the rats wouldn't re-reward themselves on heroin or opiates. So this kind of really brought me to, wow, there's a decrease in that. So what I was thinking, you know, during that time that this is helping me, it kind of gave it validity, you know, that it really gave it substance. Um, but again, you, you're gonna, you, you gotta want to get clean. This is not a miracle thing. You know, you gotta be possessed to be able to want to get away from that, that kind of life. You know, my partner that you saw earlier on, on video, actually, we lost somebody a couple of days ago. He did that. He, that he knew to an overdose, you know, uh, somebody who was probably in the space for a long time, you know, was farm tech and stuff, but it's so dangerous because anybody and anyone could run into this problem. You get hurt, you break a foot, you go to the dentist or something like that. They write your prescription. All of a sudden you take one of these things that feels good. You're like, where can I get another one? And, and that is just a really bad, you know, avenue that people are going through. And they're not educated to understand that because the doctor writes a prescription. Nobody's telling them, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to wean you off of this because that's what you're supposed to do. You can't really cut cold Turkey. And, and the real true, it's a week. Why can't we give a plant, a natural plant? You know, why can't we give a little bit of THC, nothing crazy, you know, three, 4% with high doses of CBD and, or, you know, or write a, recommend a cannabis, 
you know, one of these MMTCs that could help you instead of just writing a prescription for synthetics, you know, and, and that's the dangerous part. Exactly. And that's what my daughter, and that's how we started. We also founded a nonprofit trying to change the way treatment centers are run in the state of Florida because my daughter would go into treatment centers and come back out because I can't do this. this I, I'm, I'm more on stuff in there and I come out and I feel terrible. And what ended up happening was the same time that uh, I think Florida was going through the whole patient brokering system to where they would send them to uh, to, to live in facilities and the people, the treatment centers would pay the facilities to get the people back on. So we did go back to the, the, the rehab and everything else. And my daughter's like, something's got to change. So we, we came up with this before she passed away, this whole nonprofit on how to change it using cannabis and, and hemp as one of the protocols, using nutrition to help them feel better and stuff like that. And before we got to 513C is that when she passed away. So we see the benefit and we're trying to, A, like I said, get it, open the doors of the fire department, as well as slowly trying to turn the way patients, like you said, who want to get better, who want to get off the opiates, have actually a place to go, no matter whether they have insurance, no insurance or not. And they're not just treated as, as a financial gain for our, us to go buy a, a Bentley or something like most of the people were out there that were doing in the state of Florida years ago. If that's the direction we know what those facilities, most of them, I wouldn't say all of them, correct, you know, have in mind. I mean, people walk into their dollar sign, you know, there's no true treatment. What helped me, honestly, when I went and violated again, and, and when I violated on August 8th, and I knew I was going to go in September 4th, was MS cotton. So it was 40 milligram MS cotton, but it was an extended release product. So it's not that quick fix as, as, as these, you know, the Roxy's and stuff like that. And then you have a breakthrough. So you can literally wean somebody off of this, not throw them in a treatment facility and say, you're done with this. We're not going to give you anything else. Like these things, there's certain protocols that could be put into place, still providing them an opiate because obviously you're going in there because you have that issue. Now we got a heroin issue that's leading, you know, the country and driving the country, whether it's that or fentanyl. And, and that's the sad part. What we can do is put them on a weaning off process um, where they're not getting that that real bad you know, hey, I need to go and do this right now and, and God forbid steal or do something like that and get yourself in trouble. A lot of these people are not bad people. They're just caught in a, in a, caught in a really, really bad situation that's pretty hard to get out of. Right. You know, and it's not an easy task to do that. I'm blessed to be able to survive that. You know, I consider what I live in my time right now is borrowed time because there's a lot of situations. You know, when I sit down, me and my wife talk, you know, and God bless that she was there and and, and actually helped me through this. And, and I, you know, thank God, because honestly, she, you know, I don't know how she did it. And she really stuck by me. And I had, you know, very small group of friends and family that really pushed me in the direction of wanting to, to get clean. But there's ways of doing it where you're not really shocking the body. And then obviously, I think power of the plant um, is huge. I mean, now you, you have research on Ibogaine, which is something I researched, you know, during my time, you know, now you got the FDA behind this, you got ketamine that they're looking at, MDMA, you got all these crazy street drugs that they're looking at that could be a solution to a lot of these issues, you know, and it's kind of crazy that now pharma's basically in that game, which they're always in that game, yeah. you know, but, but now looking at the Ibogaine situation where people don't have to fly to another country and really could possibly, and that's a plant, you know, that's natural, you know, there's, there's just so many different avenues. So, so again, I mean, listen, I'm a true believer in full plant, you know, if it was up to me, I, I, we would do that. We're hopefully, uh, you know, backing up a bill and legislation that Ron Paul wrote up, uh, that's 1% THC for farmers, you know, for finished products. Cause we always think that lit that little bit 
of 1% could really help and make a difference instead of the 03 So we, we haven't stopped doing what we're doing. Um, we know that this industry, honestly, and I tell a lot of people, it's just begun. You know, it's kind of crazy being in it in 12 years, you know, doing this for 12 years. But I really, truly believe that that more science, more research um, is going to open up a lot of avenues. What we just don't want is uh, pharma to be the one that controls this because we we want to keep it natural and non-synthetic. Right, exactly. So that, that was my next question. I was going to ask you the legislation coming down. Do you see any changes to the bill? I know you just said you're going to follow the one with Ron Paul. Any changes to the hemp program you see that you guys coordinated here in Florida or is, it, is that bill going to build upon this one? I'm extremely proud with the group and partners that of what we've done here in the state of Florida, um, whether it's Kacha Labs, um, you know, Florida Hemp Council, a, a lot of people that I've really um, helped uh, guide this space. I'm extremely impressed with what Florida is doing right now. I mean, you got South Tip uh, that's growing in Homestead. They got a beautiful facility. They've really spent time, you know, so shout out to Hal on that. And there's a lot of other farmers in middle Florida and Northern Florida. And you, what we've done is we, you learn from people's mistakes. Um, and now it's what we've learned from states' mistakes because the fact there's a lot of states that have made mistakes. And I think we, we're pretty solid with the direction that the state of Florida is going. Um, proud of it. I think we could, you know, really help the farmers in the state, especially citrus. That's, you know, almost a dying industry here in the state. Um, you got a lot of younger farmers getting involved, which is really cool to see. Um, and there's a lot of innovation on finished goods and IPs, reference to extractions or different ways of growing. So what we want to do is help that process by giving the farmers an opportunity of 1%. Uh, the DEA is, is definitely poly eradicated, you know, half you know, half a million plants, somewhere around that, maybe even more. And and what we don't want to do is that to be the issue of why the farmers don't succeed. We have a huge issue also or a challenge with pricing in the space. When we started, it was about forty to $45,000 a kilo, you know, of isolate. Today, we could possibly get that for $350, you know, so that's a huge market change uh, for these farmers. And it creates a real barrier uh, because it, is, is it, it isn't cheap to do what, what they're doing. Right. Right. Uh, and it's just not like growing seed in, you know, in the ground and Hey, here we go. Let it grow. Let's chop it down three months later. And here we go. Here we have a plant. No, they got to worry about testing THC levels, pesticides, metals, just different climates uh, that really change. So we're trying to help them in every which way, because by helping them as a farmer is the really the beginning of where this plant starts to an end finished product is really big. Right. So that, that with helping that. And I think we're, We'll have legs, uh, you know, on this, uh, on this. And I think there's a lot of partners in the space. Um, we had a great conversation with the FDA in February of 2020. We had another one in March. Uh, we uh, spoke to them in July uh, 23rd of, of 2020. There was an amazing group of partners on that call from Canopy to Kronos, Akacha, you know, a lot of big players in the space, uh, Nestle, Garden of Life, uh, Casmira, that, that really want to set a stage for opportunities for everybody in the space. But what we really need to do is stop, you know, the, the bad actors. Right. Um, we have a lot of in the space. We got a lot of great ones. We have a lot of bad ones. And all we need is some kind of guidance uh, uh, so we understand exactly where we're going. So I'm very positive and bullish on the space, you know, even though going through a really tough 2020. But I'm always going to be bullish because I think natural and alternatives is really where the future of this country and the globe is going to be. Exactly. On that aspect of helping with the farmers, do you see anything headed towards the other side of hemp? In other words, the textiles and, and the and more of that side to helping the farmers? Because I was looking at that saying, you know, that'd be an awesome way because they, they really don't have... I. From what I know, I might be wrong, but there's not as much watching of the plant itself to keep it underneath that that percentage. There's just a way of kind of, 
you know, growing it. Am I wrong? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, there's chromatography. There's, it, it is a little expensive. I mean, you're, you're not wrong about that. It is extremely difficult. That's why it's just not, you throw a seed in the ground, you let it, you know, you let it plant. You know, I would talk to, I would go to South tip on Instagram South, you know, um, they, they got, you could kind of see what's going on there. Um, you know, Nikki Fried, our ad commissioners is understands the space extremely well. Uh, she was a lobbyist for Green Solution. Uh, she's now the highest ranking Democrat in the state. And uh, she understands her and Holly Bell both understand, you know, how this industry is going to grow. But again, in, in reference to your previous question, yes, I just got back from Costa Rica, spent four days there um, uh, with tobacco, one of the largest, probably the largest sugar families over there. And they're not looking to grow CBD. I mean, to my, you know, the conversations that I had with, with pretty influential people in the country, um, it's textiles, it's byproducts, it's uh, eco-friendly products uh, that's going to come out. And if you really think about it, in the 1930s, it was, a, it was the first billion dollar crop here and nobody was taking CBD. So, I yeah. mean, that's really where the industry is going to flourish because we need to be eco-friendly. We need to worry about plastic. We need to worry about other things, um, the environment where this plant truly could really help reverse a lot of the issues that we're having uh, globally. Exactly. A lot of people don't understand. I make people laugh. I says, you guys do know that Henry Ford built the first uh, hemp car, right? They're like, they're like, and with you, know, everything was, it was everything, everything. The, from tailpipe to horn. Yeah, exactly. And they're, they're amazed when I tell that story. So la last question I got for you, how can people help Florida or their own states progress the, the, so that the plant kind of stays in the people's hand? And like you said, Big pharma doesn't get control of it. Man, that's that's a loaded question. <laughs> uh, pharma's always going to want to take control of this. You know, that's that's the scary part. The good part is that as long as they don't schedule it or or really, you know, have us go backwards, I think this plant's here to stay in many different facets. You know, you still have your on the cannabis side, you still have your caviar growers that are still in the mountains. You know that they'll probably will never leave because there's specific strains and things that people really like to have. Um, then you have your mass markets in reference to the MMTCs, which is going to take years and years, even though they're making millions and millions of dollars. It's going to take them years to kind of really get to that caviar side. Um, you have Werner and Cookies. These guys are very caviar style. Are they going to go mainstream? Or are they going to keep you know that real nice bud? Uh, that they're very, you know, they're well known for. Um, on the hemp side, I think the opportunity is going to be big. I think, you know, we're, we've been getting on Clubhouse and having these true discussions with industry leaders and others that are really trying to push the, the space forward and kind of, you know, change, exchanging ideas. We really want to help on legislative side. I think that's going to really open the market. The consumer is going to trust the products more. You're not going to go to Amazon and buy something that's 30,000 milligrams for 15 bucks. Exactly. Uh, it's kind of really confusing for the space. But, I, you know, I've always been preaching to all our, you know, everybody that's been around me, it's coming. And we kind of see these little baby steps of where it's going to go. Um, so it's really about, you know, if you're going to create a brand, know your why. Um, if you want to grow uh, for byproducts, typically people that get in that space really are passionate about really changing, you know, this, this plastic and this, this issue we're going with climate. So it's really just, you know, stay in tune, stay educated, continue to understand what individual states are doing. Uh, Oklahoma, last night I was on, on, on a clubhouse last night. They're really, they're nowhere in the news, but they are blowing up as a state. I mean, blowing up. It's crazy uh, what's going on over there uh, in reference to hemp and cannabis. Licensing is very inexpensive. Um, don't understand how, why they did it that way, but damn cool as hell. I wish Florida would go in that direction. Hey, here's $10,000. I'm going to go open up my own dispensary or grow, <laughs> things like that. So, but you know, Florida is different. 
yeah. you know, then those flyover states. But we're really excited about space, extremely bullish. Um, and we're really hoping that 2021 starts cleaning up so we could have a very flourishing 2022 and, and, and technology and IP and, and new things that are going on in the space. 100% agree with you with that. If they wanted to follow you with your new, with your the podcast you have and everything else, where would they kind of reach you and stuff? We're, I mean, obviously go to greenroads.com. Uh, that's, that's the platform where we sell out our products. There's CBD University there, a lot of educational pieces that you could go. You kind of see the, our team at work and what we're trying to do. Um, for myself, you go to RB underscore Barroso. That's my Instagram. Um, I pretty uh, direct on, on LinkedIn. So just look up my name, RB Barroso. Uh, that's where I really spend a lot of my time nowadays. Um, and, uh, and obviously now we have WePod. Um, so you could kind of follow us there or cannabis life radio or see life at sea life radio on Facebook. Um, we're about to launch that again in the next couple of weeks. So we're extremely excited and I really appreciate you giving me the time, uh, Gary. And, and again, our condolences to your family and hopefully, uh, we could really pass things to, to really change the mindset of synthetic drugs into more natural plants. De definitely. I appreciate you coming on my show. Like I said, the whole point of the show was actually to educate people on everything cannabis we're trying to lose the stigma and showing that real people have stories and they can do it, go everything from making themselves feel better to actually building businesses in the future. So thank you very much for coming on my show, Arby. Thank you, Gary. I look forward to talking to you again. Really appreciate it. Definitely. We'll keep in touch. If you're still listening to this, that means you gained some type of value. So what we need you to do is leave a review and make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode of The Good Dude 